0: Is your host?
1: Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. I want to thank you for making our show even larger every week. It's amazing how the response has been since we've really been doing a lot of the political shows. And I'm going to have some major news about the expansion of the show very soon. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, thank you for listening to us on six twenty AM sixteen forty AM ninety three point five FM High Digital Saturday nights in the tri-state area and when you download us internationally on the major podcast outlets including but not limited to iHeart Radio, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, Out of Israel through Jewish Podcast the TalkLine Radio Network, and as always, you can find us on our website with the latest episodes, cindyscorners.com. Tonight, we have a huge show, and it's a show that I think is one of the most important shows we're going to do. It's about exiting the Democratic Party. So welcome into my corner. Tonight, you're going to see a leader in the Hispanic community, the Black community, and I am going to represent the Jewish community on why people from all walks of life who are either Black, Hispanic, or Jewish, or both, or all three, should be thinking about seriously voting Republican in 2022 in local, state, and national elections. Our headlines say it all. We don't need to look any further than going to the grocery store and looking at the price of food or going to fill up our cars at the gas station. I can't emphasize that enough because that's something that everybody relates to. These are nonpartisan issues, but we have seen since 2021 when Joe Biden took office, the increase in prices that we haven't seen in decades here. We've seen more deaths in COVID in the past year than we saw during the Trump administration. Worse yet, we have seen crime hates against everybody go rise to alarming levels, especially in areas where blacks, Hispanics, and Jews live in blue states, blue cities, blue suburbs. You can't help but think that there is a correlation between Democratic leadership and the headlines that scare us, the headlines that make the 2022 elections filled with issues revolving education, security, money in the economy, jobs. And most important, the number one issue that unites us all, is that most people do not have good feelings about their future. It's very sad. This is the country of the American dream. We are the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of people who came from the greatest generation, who loved America, who thrived in America, and who gave us the opportunities we have today. And within 12 months, we've just washed it down the toilet. Let me tell you about the Jewish story. I started a grassroots group called Jewish Vote GOP in 2020, right before the elections, because I kept hearing the same things over and over and over again. For years, Jews were trained. They were brainwashed from their parents and grandparents to vote Democratic. But now they've seen the Democratic Party leave them. And the Jewish leaders within the Democratic Party not representing them. There is a huge problem in the Democratic Party about Zionism and Israel. The respect for Israel's right to exist, the uh, respect for the right to Israel to be independent financially, emotionally, and yet have diplomatic relations around the world. There is a big problem in our Congress today about people, especially from the squad, who want to destroy Israel totally. And that even the Jewish Democrats who are considered moderate do nothing about disciplining their hate. There is nothing in the Democratic Party that has called out Black Lives Matter for their anti-Semitism. There is nothing in the Democratic Party that calls out the hate of and misleading of the history of factual American history among Jews and other minorities, including the blacks and Hispanics, especially in places like New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois, Florida. The list is endless. When Jews go to the polls in 2022, they have to look at American Jewish issues, such as being able to keep small businesses open, walk their streets safely, being able to wear a Jewish star around their neck if they want to, being able to wear a yarmulke, whether or not they're religious. Jewish hate crimes don't discriminate from young or old, Ashkenazic or Sephardic. Russian Jews or Israeli Jews or American Jews that have been here for generations. You cannot compare the immigration experience of the early 1900s in Ellis Island to what we are experiencing today. Jews, your education opportunities are dwindling right before your hands and you are doing nothing to stop it. In fact, you might be encouraging it because you stay silent. Let's be realistic. The opportunities for college students who are Jewish to walk their campuses freely and safely are being erased daily. Jews on college campuses are being attacked. CRT is teaching opinion and not fact about Israel and Jewish history. If it was up to CRT, they would teach the Holocaust didn't exist. And yet there are Holocaust survivors around and alive today, a dwindling group of people that can tell you what happened to them in Germany less than a 100 years ago. So sit back and take notes and listen very carefully to our discussions. One is with a leader in the black community who is still a registered Democrat, but is one of the biggest voices on why Blacks should vote Republican and one of the leading voices of conservative, Hispanic leadership and values. We'll be back after this commercial.
2: Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. REMAX IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar stress-free and fast just ask Joseph M from Brooklyn Remax IQ made it easy no for sale sign I had offers in days I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast if you're thinking of selling Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and Conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com disclaimer.
1: Welcome back to Cindy's Political Corner with your host, Cindy Gross. And the topic tonight is are minorities switching parties from Democrat to Republican? And I could not ask a better representative of the Hispanic community other than my very, 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 very dear friend, Julio Rivera, who is better known to you as a Conservarican. You have seen him on his regular spots on Newsmax, on RT uh, television, and he is the founder of Reactionary Times. And uh, I've known Julio since we worked together on the Ted Cruz presidential campaign of 2015. He is one of the hardest workers I know, one of the most articulate People to represent the Hispanic community and really any community. And I know that he is extremely interested in the elections of 2022, especially in blue states where Hispanics are fed up and they are not getting the accurate representation for how they are feeling. So, Julio, thank you so much for joining Cindy's political corner. He just got off a big interview he was doing and he had time for us. So, thanks.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I love your new show. I'm very excited to be on here with you for the first time.
1: Well, thank you. And it's going to be the first of many because, like I said, the Hispanic vote is a vote that's taken for granted in the Democratic Party, but yet the Democratic Party does not represent his traditional Hispanic values. Can you explain a little bit of that to us, please?
3: Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you like this, you know, uh, Hispanic people, uh, the Hispanic culture is a traditional culture. It's steeped into the traditionalism that has really, uh, uh, brought society to the point that we are today. You know, those, those traditional institutions, the family, the church. Uh, all those very important things, which are being marginalized uh, by progressivism in America. I mean, you know, we have basically the mentality from the progressives now is they want the community to raise your child. Meanwhile, they're stuffing uh, a lot of really negative, I think, social agendas down the throats of our children. You know, we see the normalization of a lot of, um, you know, kind of illicit behaviors and a, a lot of things that, um, you know, really uh, Hispanic uh, voters, their, their values don't necessarily Align with it's a a very traditional culture and I that's one of the reasons I think that we're starting to see a shift in the electorate and we're starting to see better returns. For Republican candidates and you know, in some places in particular that are heavily populated with Hispanics like Florida, where you get a lot of Cubans that are very anti socialist. um, You know we we would hope that the rest of uh, the other uh, flavors of Hispanic would kind of catch up to that in in sort of figuring out uh, which way they're going to be voting going uh, towards the future.
1: Well, um, not only are we seeing a a switch in voters, we're seeing a record number of Hispanic candidates throughout the country in all elections on every level. What do you see and uh, anybody in particular you think that we should be looking out for?
3: Well, I mean, I think that that comes with the the shift in the American uh, populace. I, I think that, you know, Hispanics. It's very important for both political parties to try to, um, you know, uh, gather as many uh, votes and as much support as possible in the Hispanic community, because the Hispanic community is growing like a wildfire. And by some estimates, between 25 and 35 years from now, you know, the majority of the country will in some way identify as Hispanic. Um, you know, there's a lot of different flavors within that, but it's going to be an important part of the American electorate. So, I mean, in terms of actual candidates. Um, I'd like to see even more Hispanic candidates sort of to try to stand up against, um, I guess the systematic racism of the left, you know, the, the assumption that all people of color and all, you know, all flavors of Hispanic and blacks and other people that live in these blue state communities, you know, the kind of places that we come from, you know, you're from New York, I'm from New Jersey. It's always very much uh, dominated, especially in the inner cities by minority Democratic candidates. And a lot of these people, what they wind up doing is really um, lying to the electorate, telling them that, you know, that the, the GOP doesn't have their best interests at heart. You know what well, they put their arms around the Hispanics and the Blacks, and they say, you know, the government will take care of you, and all these horrible things that we've been hearing, you know, a lot louder, obviously, uh, especially since the 1960s and the Great Society and the creation of all those sorts of social programs that targeted uh, inner-city minority communities. Um, Now we're starting to see more Hispanic GOP candidates. I think that one of the values within the Hispanic community that's very important is entrepreneurialism. I think that, you know, the Democrats Don't give Hispanics and Blacks enough credit for, you know, wanting to be entrepreneurs and wanting to take advantage of the capitalism that America at this point still offers. Um, You know, although that's all subject to change under the Biden administration, it seems.
1: So I have to tell you, like I told our audience, we met uh, through probably we can mutually agree that he's probably our favorite Hispanic, probably the smartest person (laughs) in the Senate in Washington, Mm -hmm um ted cruz and there's a lot of talk about his future in politics and where he aspires to would you like to see uh ted cruz as the first uh hispanic republican president
3: well you know what uh when when we met at that time um ted cruz was on fire he still for the most part is i think that it's kind of different to be, uh, you know, a trailblazing leader in the conservative um, movement when you have a Republican president because there's a little less to rail against, but there was a lot of things that he used to rail against that got by in legislation and I I, I was a little bit disappointed with his positions on certain things And I'm going to this is speaking directly to your audience. Um, because you're, your audience is in New York, uh, you know, in that area, heavily concentrated. But remember Sandy and Irene, Correct. you know, you talk about the relief bills that, that were, um, you know, Ted Cruz didn't want to vote for them because they were filled with pork. But then when he was up for reelection and then you had uh, Hurricane Harvey and that relief bill, which was equally, I would say, filled with pork, um, he found it in his heart to vote for that one. So listen, none of these candidates are perfect Well, what we we like to see, I think, um, as conservatives, beyond color, beyond religion or race or anything, is just consistency. So um, hopefully there'll be a lot more uh, Ted Cruz types that sprout up, hopefully for this midterm, more Tea Party types. I think the establishment in Congress right now is very much playing the uniparty game where, you know, they're both basically uh, two sides of the same coin. They're both growing government. We need more hardcore constitutional conservatives that are li- looking to limit the size of government and reform spending, which I believe is a big part of that, especially given the inflation and all the pandemic spending we've seen over the last two years.
1: Introduce our audience. If they don't know who you are to, to you, uh, you have a very interesting background. <laughs> you are a devoted father who has the two most precious daughters Thank and, you. um, Tell us a little bit about the Conservarican.
3: Well, hi, my name is Julio. (laughs) No, but seriously, um, I kind of uh, got a a little bit more interested in politics as I started to see uh, the direction that the country was going in um, after really the housing market collapsed when Bush was still president and then into Obama thinking he was going to spend us out of the the issues, you know, and I immediately started to think of the future and the repercussions in, in terms of that runaway spending. Um, and then the regulatory angle of it. Um, I previously was in the debt collection industry. That was one of the industries that was hit a, very hard by regulatory measures like Dodd-Frank. Um, when it got to the point where, you know, if you own your own business and you're directly dealing with the, the fallout from, you know, bad legislation, it will force you to become a political animal and that was kind of one of on the, you know, at the precipice of my beginning uh, to get into politics. So I kind of went in that direction and then we kind of clung on and we both, uh, you know, found a, a very mutual uh, vessel in Ted Cruz, somebody that we believed in, that we wanted to try to lead the country. And, and then I got more heavily involved in activism and kind of that's what kind of uh, got me to get up off of the couch, so to speak, to get uh, more involved and put feet feet to the pavement.
1: So you're from New Jersey. And we both have a mutual friend, a mentor, someone who's run, someone who's been very good to the Hispanic community and the Jewish community. And I'm talking, of course, about Steve Lonigan.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Steve's just great. Yes. And tell
1: <laughs> us a little bit about how you worked with him, because Steve well, is out there, whether or not he's a candidate or an activist, he cares about New Jersey, and New Jersey yes. is a, is a blue state like New York, undergoing. Horrible situations that most of the country is not going through as bad.
3: Yes, Steve uh, was uh, pivotal and and just wildly influential in in my career um, as an activist and and the things that I've done. Um, I initially got involved with Steve uh, during the period when there was a special election after the death of uh, Frank Lautenberg. And um, we needed to fill that seat. And, um, you know, one of the things that I got upset about, just talking New Jersey politics here, is Chris Christie would have helped out Steve Lonigan a lot if we had, uh, instead of having a special election, it just would have been conducted on Election Day, him versus Booker. But one of the things I'll say about Steve is he's a great communicator, a great strategist. And when that campaign opened, and it was um Cory Booker, who was wildly popular as the uh, mayor of Newark at the time, versus Steve Lonigan. Booker had a 35-point uh, lead, which wound up getting shaved to just under 10 points, actually, on Election Day. So I think that if um, maybe he would have gotten a little bit more support from the establishment Republicans, people like Chris Christie, and if it would have been on the same ticket, Steve might have been able to pull that one out. Because I, I I will tell you this much, in the actual debate, you know, him versus Booker, he wiped the floor with uh, Cory Booker. And I think he had a, a great uh, blueprint to actually beat a progressive in the Senate campaign in New Jersey. I think that, uh, you know, obviously there were certain things that played against them, like having it on a special date.
1: I also think that New Jersey should take, uh, you know, the RNC should take a lesson. You just said something that was again last year in the gubernatorial race. If only there was more attention paid by the national Republicans and establishment GOP County leaderships put a little more effort and money in you could do it. You know what? It's not the ifs. It's the results. And the results mm-hmm. are now hurting Hispanic communities in record numbers, especially those that are in poorer neighborhoods, which New Jersey has a lot of. Uh, tell us a little bit. You are really all over the place. I, every time I turn on Newsmax, I see you on another show. Mm-hmm. I see you on RT a lot. Tell us what we can expect from you in some upcoming episodes or upcoming topics you're talking about.
3: Yes. Um, well, one thing that I've been following very closely is the the global issue of cybersecurity, um, and that's something that's actually coming to the forefront now with the tensions between you know Russia and Ukraine and how the United States. And NATO plays all into that. Um, you know, I'm uh, constantly keeping an eye on that. There was actually a rise last week, um, post uh, the rise in the tensions of uh, banking Trojans that were hitting, uh, European financial institutions that were, uh, said to be from Russia. They had all the hallmarks of, you know, uh, a rising attacks from Russia. Reco- Russia's been doing a lot of reconnaissance hacking over the last couple of years. So, um, they, they are in. Our systems, they are in our infrastructure. They are just waiting for the moment to do something. But obviously, anything that we could be traced back to them would be an act of war. So that's something I'm going to be watching uh, very closely. Reactionary Times TV is coming back um, in about three weeks. We'll be debuting uh, the first episode of the year 2022 we're going to be covering the elections you're going to be a part of that with your features on some of the hotter uh candidates that we need to keep an eye on um and you can catch my uh columns on newsmax uh, town hall the washington times BizPack review and uh just about all the others
1: <laughs> so you gave away the scoop i am going to be on the tv show and my column is featured on reactionary times cindy's candidates corner tied to Cindy's political corner because unfortunately too many candidates get lost in the cracks who are really good, hardworking people who are risking everything so that America stays America first and they do not get the exposure that they they deserve. So with the help of Julio Rivera and Reactionary Times, Cindy's Candidates Corner is going to be introducing you to candidates you should know about in 50 states on local, state, and national levels. Any final thoughts before we go and tell people where they can reach out to you?
3: We'll definitely log on to our reactionary times every day, but I think you bring up a great point. Um, The elections at all levels in all of the 50 states, we have an extraordinary opportunity here with really the 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 lack of success of the Biden administration, it's been a disaster at every turn. Not only to regain majorities, but let's put better candidates in those seats. I want to see some primaries. I want to see some more Tea Party types, some more real conservatives start to push the Republican establishment out of power and uh, you know retake it for constitutional conservatism.
1: Well, I call 2022 the year of the primary. I'm seeing it all over the place. I am seeing it doesn't matter anymore who endorses you. People are sick and tired of being told who to vote for because the party tells them to. They are sick and tired of being asked for money morning, noon, and night in thousands of emails and phone calls and text messages. What they want are people with proven records that they are going out there and going to work and provide results. Exactly. No results,
3: no money, no results, no money. That should be the motto for the Republican donor in 2022.
1: Julio Rivera, the Conservarican. Thank you so much. Of course, you're going to be back. We are going to be doing a lot in 2022. And I can't wait to share more information with our audience as things come up and we break news together.
3: Fantastic. God bless Cindy. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks.
0: You shade the see in for justice. Yeah, you choose friends by how much that they spend. Who the f*** you think you are? Keep it moving now, can't you see? Keep it moving, no way. We- That we keep giving away our best, seems like we can't say, but then we call the rest And that I only wanna see this trigger. We're going up they can see what I see. Keep it moving now, can't you see? bite right, you best to keep it moving, blish it bite the flow, push the walking Beethoven Be Beat bumpin' hard enough to lay hard on it. That's all I do with it can't head flip, yeah. I flame on it. Uh, uh. Keep them palms in your pocket, Holly. Yes, my favorite flavor, sour apple, Lolly. And I keep 'em moving, steady grinding, trolley. You can catch me in my black wig with the Keep it moving now, can't you see? Keep it moving away from me. Keep moving down, near me, keep moving, moving out, don't down. Keep moving moving out, can't you see? Keep them moving away from me. Keep moving out down near me, keep moving, moving out, don't down. Keep them moving now, can't you see? Keep them moving away from me. Keep moving moving down, near me, keep moving, moving out, don't down. Keep moving now, can't you see? Keep no way from me, keep moving out, down in me, keep moving, moving out. The
1: Welcome back to Cindy's political corner, exiting the Democratic Party in record numbers. And joining us now is a woman who, for the past 30 years, at least 30 years, yes. has been one of the most outspoken advocates on why the black community should rethink their involvement in the Democratic Party. She has the nickname Barbara from Harlem, and she's going to tell you how she got that. She is a Project 21 member. She received her nickname Barbara from Harlem. From WABC talk show radio host Jay Diamond, and she's also called the God Godmother of Black Conservatives by Darius Mayfield, who is running for Congress in New Jersey this year. So she is also the author of the best-selling book that she's going to discuss with you. That is has been out a couple of years already, but it's just as timely today. Escaping the racism of low expectations. Barbara from Harlem is also a dear friend. We've known each other several years, and I can't wait to share our experiences together with you, our audience. So thank you for joining us, Barbara.
4: And thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure. So,
1: Barbara, uh, today's show is featuring Hispanic (laughs) leaders, a Black leader, a Jewish leader, all about Leaving the Democratic Party in record numbers, especially after the 2020 election, when we see what is going on in our lives every single day. Tell us in your brief summary what you tell people today about 2022 elections and why black people, men and women from all ages and backgrounds, should leave the Democratic Party.
4: Well, you know, I I mean, I have to remember what our uh, former president said. What do we have to lose? I point out to black people, you have nothing to lose by switching a party. The party that's been running the cities for years, and they have done nothing for black families. They have done nothing for black communities. The poverty level is up. No jobs, no anything. What do you have to lose? And the answer is absolutely nothing. We have a lot to gain by thinking about changing parties and putting other people in these positions of power and control.
1: That's a great way to say it. And of course, you're talking about former President Trump. Yes. What do you say to people when they say you are a traitor when they talk about Black Lives Matter?
4: Well, what I tell them is that they don't understand Marxism. They don't understand and appreciate the founding of this nation. It was founded on Judeo-Christian values and principles. I remind them that Marxists are godless. They don't believe in God. They're trying to wreck our societal structure. And they don't mean anybody any good. And they're using black people... As a, a, an instrument to cause and justify destruction, disruption, and things that we don't need in our society.
1: And you are somebody who has been at the forefront, standing with candidates who are running on all levels of yes. government positions, from school board to governor. What do you what do you look for when you support a candidate and you influence other blacks in your communities to vote for these people? What do you look for?
4: Well, what I look for, what do they stand for? What is their platform? See, even in the black community, we weren't taught to find out what the platform is. We just went along with the program, Black Equals Democrat. Forget about what they stand for, what they represent. So I asked them their platform. And what rings in my head is what our second president, John Adams, said. Our Constitution was made only for a religious and moral people. So I do my due diligence to find out if they believe in God, the founder of this country, and if they have any morality left. And if they don't, they're not going to get my vote because those who are immoral, those who are are irreligious, hate our Constitution. I want someone that's going to embrace our Constitution because that's the strength of America.
1: So you have been a friend of mine for several years and you actually uh work with projects tied to two projects that I'm involved with. One is education. We were lucky enough when I called upon you to come to Queens and stand at a press conference and talk about minority school failures in the public schools, you were there right away and speaking out. What do you tell voters in especially blue states where the public schools are failing black children? Failing black staffs, failing black parents. What do you tell these parents, these students about public schools and what needs to be done?
4: Well, one thing I always try to emphasize and let parents remember, they pay the salary of those who work at the school. Don't ever think that your voice is not important. So I start with that. I also try to encourage parents to make sure that they go to these parent-teacher association meetings. Make sure that the teachers, the administrators know that your child is cared for. And I tell them, put that high on the list of priorities because your child will not be a child forever. And this training ground, the school experience is going to be with that child forever. Do the best you can. Put other things aside. Make that child a priority. Stop settling for less than be- the best you can have. In other words, we have politicians who don't care about the educational uh, progress of our children. All they want to do is collect a check, be seen, get reelected. We have to stop that. We have to analyze what are they doing to help our children? What are they doing to help our communities? And if the answer is nothing, they need to go, regardless of their party. They need to go. So those are my messages.
1: Well, it is Black History Month. And CRT yes. has been a big issue this year, especially yes. headlines in the news with what's going on in Virginia and how our attorney general called parents domestic terrorists. You yes. as a leader in the black community, what is your message about Black History Month and what should be taught in classrooms?
4: What's What's important about Black History Month is to remember the progress that we have made as a people I celebrate my grandmother who was born in 1898 who didn't have to go on the government dole for anything, who was a businesswoman, had her own beauty salon, end up owning properties. This is what you can do in America. If she could do it being born in 1898, we can do it now. We have more opportunities than she ever even thought about having. So America is a blessing, and it's a blessing to be in this country where you have all of these opportunities. So I try to let them know you have nothing to be ashamed of. Slavery was horrible, yet God allowed it. Yet he allowed Joseph to be sold into slavery, and Joseph told his brothers what you meant for evil. God meant for good, and I let them know how blessed we are to have been born in America and on American soil.
1: Tell us a little bit about your book, because a lot of your book deals with education with low expectations. Yes, it does.
4: In other words, you know, um, escaping the racism of low expectations. Um, I don't even like to call these people liberals, the leftists have very low expectations of black people. They don't even realize or want to acknowledge we have been endowed by our creator also, as much as they have. We don't need nannies. We're able to progress. We're able to produce. We're able to create. And my book illustrates some of what the Democratic Party has been pushing down the throats of a lot of Black people for many, many, many years. As a member of several Democratic clubs, because I am a registered Democrat, and I used to attend the club meetings, and all you could hear was slavery. They want to keep Black people in the past. They want to dig up hurt. They want to dig up disappointment. They never talk about the Black-on-Black crime. They never talk about the broken home, but they want to blame white, excuse me, white people, racism for every problem that the black family is encountering, which is not fair.
1: Well, I'm going to hit on something that you just said about uh, the Democratic Party. The big issue is black women. It's not even black men. It's black women. From Camilla Harris now to the choice for the vice, uh, the Supreme Court. What is your message about th- this being the uh, what is being looked at as a qualification of a Democratic Party being a color of a skin and a sex of a, of a person?
4: You gotta, you gotta give me that again. Give me that again.
1: Okay. Well, the Democratic okay. Party has made a big issue about quote unquote, black women. Yes. To be the leaders, not even including black men. Yes. What is your feeling on all of that? I mean, whether or not it's Kamala Harris or the next Supreme Court justice, what is your feeling when they look at somebody by the color of their skin
4: and their gender? Well, the thing about it is the Democratic Party has a history of being the biggest racist in our history. From their inception, they have been racist. That's why we have not only the KKK, but I'm also I also discovered recently about the Golden Circle. The Golden Circle was a, a bunch of uh, of um, people. Well, was led by George Washington Lafayette Bickley, and he wanted to create a slave empire. And when that folded. That's where the Ku Klux Klan got their beginnings from and, and their ideology from. But the bottom line is, all the, the the Democratic Party has done so much to destroy the black family. When you destroy the head, and the man is supposed to be the head, the provider, the protector. When you destroy the head, what you have, what they're trying to create, is another herd of victims. And, and though that will be the women, they've already done immeasurable damage to the black family, but they're not finished. They're desecrating the man, making the man like he's insignificant and not letting him live out his role as that provider and that protector of that family. All of this is planned. All of this is communistic concepts destroy the family, and you have more victims.
1: You brought up the crime that's going on in the country. And yes. we live in a city that is facing record numbers of crimes yes. of all kinds. And we yes. see every day in the news uh, videos of crimes, whether or not it's hate crimes yes. to robberies, you know, destroying malls. Uh, The only thing that seems to be down is murder, even though they're at a record number. And of course, attacks on the uh, law enforcement. What is your message to the black community in regard to the high crime? And we, we have to be honest, the pictures show the majority of these people committing the crimes are blacks.
4: We need to really start rebuilding our families. We need to really get a hold on morals and, and and start teaching that. We need to take more time with our children to keep them from running the streets and just becoming street thugs. Um, we have a serious problem in our communities. And you're right, there are a lot of hate crimes. And a lot of times when I look at those pictures, it seems as if people of color are committing a lot of these crimes against the elderly, against the disabled, Any victim that they can find, I mean, it's really pathetic. We need to really stop, take a look at what's going on in our communities, join forces with one another to try to improve the conditions under which our children are being exposed to. So
1: I told you we work on two projects together. I discussed when I introduced you yes. the other project and it fits, it flows right into the next question from what you just said about joining together with communities. You yes. have been a friend to me. And when I've reached out to you in regard to black Jewish relations, yes. tell us some of the work you've done with the Jewish community as you've been going around with candidates and with education, because obviously you are an advocate of school choice.
4: Well, you know, I started working with the Jewish group, Jewish Action Alliance, many, 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 many years ago with Beth Galinsky. And um, we did some marvelous things at the U.N. and throughout New York and other places. Um, You know, I wear a Star of David. And sometimes people ask me, why do you? Well, without Judaism, there is no Christianity. So I want people to know that connection. That's why this country is founded on Judeo-Christian values and ethics. I'm very proud to be associated with my Jewish friends because they teach me so much about the Torah. And some of the best people I know are Jewish, to be honest with you.
1: And I'm honored that you consider this Jewish gal, this Jewish activist, a friend.
4: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Barbara, we could go on for
1: hours and hours. And I just want to finish this up because we are talking about 2022 elections. Who are some of the people that you would like to see get elected that would help out the black community?
4: Well, a lot of that is up in the air right now. (laughs) Right now. You know, I'm still looking. I'm still deciding. Well, I know one candidate and he happens to be Jewish, but he loves the Constitution, David Byrd. Uh huh. Um, he loves the Constitution, but most of all, he loves God and he loves America. That right now is, is, is crucial to me. So it's up in the air. You know, I know one or two, um, black candidates running. I met one yesterday. And they're very impressive. But I like to look at their records. I like to listen to more of what they're saying. And I like to pray on it before I come out and say, this is it.
1: You see, that's very important what you said. And I say that to my Jewish friends as well or anybody who follows me and ask advice. Don't just pick somebody because they have an R or a C as a conservative or L as a libertarian. Learn the candidates, because what happened to the Democratic Party in the past five years could just as easily happen to the Republican Party and the Republican Party, especially in New York State and New Jersey and and in blue states where there is a lot of money going to Democrats. It could actually turn very quickly, much quicker into a party of of chaos the way it has in the Democratic Party. Tell everybody where they think they can get your book.
4: Well, you can go to my website, and if you order a book from the website, I'll send you a signed copy. The website is Um, from um You can also go to any popular outlet, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or whatever, and order a copy there. Um, and, and I appreciate the support. And the name of the book, again, Escaping the Racism of Low Expectations, and everything in there is real and it's true. And it's really an easy read
1: also. It it's is. not one of these books that you sit and you can't get through. It flows very well. And it's really, a, I recommend this book, not just to the black community, but to anybody who wants to learn True. how to make the steps to change, to exit the chaos, the failures. Yes. Yes. I mean, and it's going to be more and more as, as the price of eggs keep rising. And now I was just reading today, avocados. Right. Yes. yes. I everything. Mean, everything.
4: So everything. Barbara from Harlem.
1: Can I just would. say one
4: more thing? Absolutely. Yesterday at a bail reform rally, Rudy, Mayor Rudy Giuliani endorsed escaping the racism of low expectations. Mm, and I thought that, great. that was remarkable of him to do that. Mazel Yes, tov. yes mazel tov. <laughs> Barbara from Harlem, as
1: always, a friend, an advocate somebody who wants to rebuild the factual history of the black Jewish relationship in America, especially because both of us are Zionist and believe in Judeo Christian values. Thank you so much for joining Cindy's political corner.
4: Thank you so much for having me. God bless. God bless America. God bless America. Thank you.
1: Welcome back to Cindy's celebrity corner. I am your host, Cindy gross. And just like that, The hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the TalkLine Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.
3: Thanks for listening.